0: In Parshish we have many psukim which deal with the mitzvah of the Are Miklat. In fact, there are many other psukim in the Torah in several different places that deal with this mitzvah. In summary, and very superficially, the Torah tells us that if a person murders with malice aforethought, with intent, and with prior planning and ambushing the victim, so then that person can be. Uh, killed by base Den, that person is subject to the death penalty, assuming that there is sufficient evidence. But if a person kills accidentally, so then there is a different halacha. Let's see some of the psukin here in Parshas befessa, If it was suddenly, or as Rashi says, if it was if a person, one person killed another, but it was really He didn't want to. It it happened accidentally, it happened against his will, below va, and it was without hatred, hadafo, that one person pushed the other and killed him. Whatever, uh, Ruvain slipped over his own feet and he banged into Shimon who was standing on a ledge and now Shimon's the one who falls down and gets killed. Or if one person uh, throws down upon another, any kind of clay, any kind of tool or instrument, without any ambushing, he didn't uh, calculate, he didn't intend to do this, but it happened. Oh, or or if it was done with any stone that is large enough that a person would be kill, could be killed by the weight and size of the stone, without seeing, in other words, the, the murderer, did not even see the victim, by but he, he dropped the stone upon the other person and the other person died, and he, meaning the, the perpetrator, is not an enemy of the victim, and he has, does not uh, seek out his, his demise or his, uh, his damage in any way, it's simply an accident. So the Pasuk says, what do you do in such a case? The congregation, meaning the the Sanhedrin, the Beis Din, shall judge between the Makah, between the one who struck, between the murderer and the Goel Hadam, and the blood redeemer, meaning a relative of the victim who sometimes, understandably, can get very angry and hot-blooded, and he might seek out the murderer and try to kill him. Al ha mishpatim the beis should judge according to these laws, and what should they do? V'itsilo el hadom the congregation, the beis should save the murderer from the hands of the blood redeemer. Ve'hishivu oso el ir miklato and they should return him or place him in his ear miklat in this one of the cities of refuge, as the Torah says, in other places uh, scattered about Eretz Yisrael there were Are Miklot, there were cities which actually were uh, places where the Levium and Kohanim lived but they had a special status that if a person killed Beshegeg, if a person killed accidentally, such as what we're talking about here, so if he could get himself into one of the Are Miklot so then he was safe then, if the Goyal Hadam would kill him, the Goyal hadam, hadam would be Chayat Misa, would be subject to the death penalty. So, this is a city of refuge. Asher Nas Shama, that he would run away to there. The Bo, and this is the part that we're going to concentrate on the most, the Bo and the, the murderer shall dwell there in the Ir Miklat at Mos Hakohein agadol until the death of the Koyan Godol. Okay? until the Kayan Gadol, until the, the reigning high priest dies, the, this person who was Raseach Bishkogah has to stay in the Ir Miklid. If he steps out, he could be killed by the Goyal Adam, and the Goyal Adam would not be held liable for that. So if he knows what's good for him, the, uh, the Raseach will stay in that Ir Miklid until Mois HaKohen HaGadol. Now Rashi here, discusses the re- two reasons why the, the sentence, quote-unquote, of the rotzeach v'shoigeg is only until the Kohen Gadol dies. Let's see Rashi. The Kohen Gadol comes, his job is to cause the holy presence of Hashem to rest amongst the Jewish nation and to lengthen their lives. He brings korbanas on their behalf, he prays on their behalf, he helps them to live a longer life. But the murderer, even though he didn't intend to be a murderer, but he is a murderer, he is coming to remove Hashem's holy presence from the land. And he is coming to shorten the days of their lives. So Eno Kedai He is not fit, he is not worthy of being in front of the Koyen Godol. for the for the to be up and around amongst, uh, amongst people, in the society in society, in the same society in which the Koyen Godol is up and about, that's that doesn't go together. The Rosaif does not deserve that. And therefore, he has to stay imprisoned, so to speak, in the ear miklet, Has to stay kind of hidden away in the ear miklat until the Kayan gadol dies. That's one explanation that Rashi gives. Davar acher, another explanation. The fisha the the because the kohen gadol should have prayed. That such a mishap, such a uh, calamity, should not happen in Yisrael, the Kohen Gadol should have prayed that that nobody should have this mis- misfortune of of being killed by an accidental murderer, and obviously he didn't pray hard enough, he didn't pray well enough, because it happened. So therefore, that's why the rosh stays in the in the ear miklad until the Kohen Gadol. Dies. Mefarshim explained that because the Ratzaykh knows that he's going to have to be here in the year miklat, away from his friends and family, um, until the Qayen Gadol dies, guess what the Ratzaykh does? He sits and he davins, he prays for the death of the Qayen Gadol. So it turns out that there's a sort of a punishment for the Qayen Gadol over here. He's got somebody praying for his demise, not a very comfortable situation. That's Rashi's second explanation. I'd like to begin, as usual, as I am accustomed, with some technical questions. And the technical question here is one, that if you have been listening to some of these shiurim in the last year or so, you should be able to figure out yourself what the question is. The question is that Rashi's normal uh, derech, his normal habit is not to investigate the reasons for the mitzvahs. He normally leaves that alone, that's not part of his self-appointed task, as I've mentioned many times, and yet here Rashi jumps right in, he wants to explain why the Raseach must stay in the ear Miklod until the Qayyongodl dies, and he gives two different answers. So why does Rashi break his rule, so to speak, and discuss the reasons for this mitzvah, whereas most mitzvahs He does not discuss the reasons. And another sub-question, another side question, is that why did Rashi have to say two different answers? Why wasn't the first answer good enough? Now we could say in simplicity as follows. I've explained many times that although Rashi does not usually discuss the reasons for the mitzvahs, it is not because he feels it is not because he is of the opinion that mitzvahs don't have reasons. Uh, there is such a possibility, it sounds like that in one Gemara in Mesef the that mitzvahs don't have reasons. Mitzvahs are all purely decrees that God has imposed upon us, and they're beyond our understanding. But it does not seem that Rashi follows that opinion, the proof being, because sometimes he does tell us the reasons for mitzvahs. It's true it's only about maybe 10% of the time or even less, but if Rashi felt the Mitzvahs have no reasons, so he would never give us any reasons for the Mitzvahs. It must be that Rashi felt, that Rashi was of the opinion, that Mitzvahs do have reasons. Why does he not usually tell them to us? So most of the times that I've discussed this, I've said, that Rashi does not discuss the reasons, because the Torah usually does not give us the reasons for the mitzvahs, and since Rashi's whole self-imposed task was to explain to us what the words of the Torah mean, since the words of the Torah usually do not indicate to us the reasons for the mitzvahs, so that Rashi Rashi ended up not explaining the reasons for the mitzvahs very often, since the Torah doesn't tell us this, this these points, so Rashi does not elaborate upon them. That's one possibility, but I think there may be something else. And that may be that perhaps since I proved already that Rashi is of the opinion that mitzvahs do have reasons, it could be that the reason why Rashi does not usually discuss them is because more often than not Rashi felt that you could figure out the reason easily enough on your own. It's not that hard in most places, I mean some mitzvahs are very easy to figure out the reason. Why does the Torah say, ter sach, don't murder? Easy enough to figure out the reason. Even uh, some other mitzvahs which are a little harder, but more often than not, with a little bit of your, a little bit of thought, you could figure out why the Torah, at least a reason, why the Torah commanded various mitzvahs. However, in this case, Rashi felt it's very hard to understand what's the reason. Why is it that the person who kills Besheigeg and has to go to Inir Miklut, either as it's somewhat of a punishment, or it's for his own protection, but why is it he only has to stay there until Only until the Kohen Gadol what, what What does one thing have to do with the other? So here, that aroused Rashi to discuss the reason. The first reason, he says, is because the Kohen Gadol and this Ratzayach are two opposites. The Kohen Godel, very positively, is the person who has the, the, the honor and the merit to bring down the Shechina, to cause the Shechina to rest amongst Gal Yisrael and to help the Jews live longer through his korbanais, through his prayers. And the Ratzayach is the exact opposite. Through his pernicious act, although it was unintentional, but still, through his murder, he is causing the Shekhinah to leave Kalah Yisrael and he is causing people to have shorter lives. So therefore, said Rashi, shia Therefore, he is not worthwhile. It is not worthwhile. He is not worthy of, of being in the same world uh, with the Kalah Yisrael. So the Ratsheh has to go, sit off in a corner in the air miklet, and the Kalah can can be where he wants to be. He can go anywhere he likes. That's one possibility. Why Rashi gets involved in this discussion. Another possibility is based on the previous pasuk, which is really an introduction to this one. In pasuk Chavdalat, we read, b'Ein u'vein goel adam, The the congregation, meaning the beis will judge between the murderer and the blood redeemer, al hamishpatim ha-eva regarding these mishpatim, regarding these laws. Now, the word mishpatim, according to Rashi, and according to many, many great Mephoshim, the word mif, uh, mishpatim has a very particular meaning. Let's take a look at a Pasik in Parashat It says, es mishpatai ta'asu, my mishpatim, you shall do. Yes kaysai tishmeru. And my chukais, you will guard. Now, both the word mishpat and chok could be roughly translated as laws. So, my laws you shall do, my laws you shall keep, bahem, in order to go in them, in order to go with them in the right path. ani hashem I am Hashem, your God. But here, Rashi explains the difference between mishpatim and chukais, or chukim. Says Rashi, as mishpatai ta'asu, These are things that are stated in the Torah b'mishpat, with, with justice and with with logic. If they had not been said, it would have been worthwhile to say them. Uh, for example, the Torah tells us lo tir do not murder. I think we can we can say that that's in this category that Rashi makes here. That even if the Torah had not said don't murder. It would have been worthwhile that we should have made a law, don't murder. That's a law that we can certainly understand what its roots are. That's Mishpatim. What are Chukim? So here Rashi says a little bit of a longer definition. Dvorim Shein Gzeras Chukim are those things in the Torah which are a decree of the king. The Yetzirah, one's evil inclination, asks on them. Why do we need to keep these things? Let's say, for example, uh, you're not allowed to wear a garment that has an interwoven uh, mixture of linen and, uh, and wool. What's the difference? Is there something not nice about that? Something, am I hurting someone? Is it something, uh, is it, is it something that, that's clearly uh, heretical? It's hard to understand. So that is that it's a decree of the king. And the Sahara attacks us and says, why do you have to do that? Why bother? And the nations of the world ask upon these mitzvahs. And Rashi says, also the prohibition of eating pork, it's good food. Go and eat it, they're healthy as horses, healthy as pigs and healthy as human beings too. Seems to be good food. Well, the kilayim, that's what I mentioned before, the wearing of kilayim, or we call it shatnez. the taras mechatas, and the purification of the waters that are mixed with the ashes of the paradoma, very hard to understand. Those things are called chukim. L'chach ne'amar, therefore it says about them, ani Hashem, I am Hashem. Gozarti I have made a decree upon you. Ain ator r'shai you are not permitted to excuse yourself from those mitzvahs, just because you don't happen to understand them. So here we see that according to Rashi, mish, mishpatim are those mitzvahs that we can understand very well. Chukim are those mitzvahs that are very difficult to understand. Now going back to our psukim about the irmiklot, the Torah refers to the, to the laws about the irmiklot as being ha-mishpatim ha-eva, these mishpatim, these logical, understandable laws. Now, since the Torah calls them by the name Mishpatim, logical, understandable laws, so then, when Rashi came to this particular detail, that the Ratsayach has to stay in the ear miklot until the kohen Godel died, Rashi said, wait a minute, that, that doesn't seem to be a Mishpat. That doesn't seem to be a logical, understandable law. So therefore, Rashi got involved. And he says, no, it is logical and understandable, for one or two reasons. Either because the kohen Godel is the Exact opposite of this Rotseach, and the two of them should not be together, or, Rashi says, because the Kohen Gadol should have prayed that this rotsicha, that this murder should not have happened, and since he didn't, so there's a sort of a punishment for him too, that he's going to have this person sitting in the air miklat praying that the Kohen Gadol should die as soon as possible, so that he, the rotzeach, can, can get out of jail, quote unquote. Okay. We still have not answered the question. After Rashi said his first shot, why did he have to say a second shot? Why did he have to give us two different reasons? Some of some of the explain as follows. The first shot in Rashi, although it's, it's very attractive, it's appealing, but there's a problem with it. According to the first shot in Rashi, the Rotseyach, who is he stands for everything. That is the opposite of what the Koyen Godel stands for. So, Eino shiei, Koyen He is not worthy that he should be in the same society as the Koyen Godel. Okay, now, so therefore what? Therefore, when the Koyen Godel dies, the Raseach may leave his Yer It's no longer a problem. There's no King Godel. So the so the Raseach may, may leave and be part of society. Yeah, but the problem is what happens when they appoint the new Koyen Godel. They always needed a Kayin Gadol. I mean, it might be a day or two or it might be some short amount of time until they appoint a Kayin Gadol, but in fairly short order they're always going to appoint a new Kayin Gadol. So what happens then? According to Rashi's logic it would seem that the Ratsayach would have to go back to his Yamikla. That's not the halacha and that's not really what the Pasuk sounds like. The Pasuk sounds like He stays in the Yermiklat until the koyen Godal dies, and then when that happens, he's all finished. But according to Rashi's line of reasoning, that's hard to understand. Once the the new Kayan comes around, so the problem comes back again. How can we allow this Raseyach, who is the antithesis of the Kayan to to be up and around in society together with the Kayan Godal? So therefore, there's a problem with this first answer that Rashi gives, and some of him say that's exactly why he went to the second shot. Before we discuss that question a little bit more in detail, I'd like to go back to the pusik in Achremais and point out something very interesting in Rashi there. This is really somewhat parenthetical, but I think it's a very important point. Primarily what Rashi is trying to do here in Pasha Zahreimais is to explain the difference between the word mishpatai and the word kukosai. What's the difference between a mishpat and a chok? And Rashi says what uh, probably uh, most of the listeners are new already, that a mishpat is a more logical understandable law and a chok is a law that is very, very difficult to understand. We have to accept it as a decree. Okay, now, one of the important rules important general principles that has been uh, discussed by Mefarshim for hundreds of years now, is that when Rashi writes his dibur Hamaska, when he writes his title of each comment, we should look at that title very carefully. Those words are chosen very carefully. Rashi puts into his title exactly those words that he intends to explain, or those words which lead him towards his explanation. No other words, no extraneous words. So here we have es mishpatai, taasu, my mishpatim you should do, yeshrukay say, or tishmeru, actually, and and my chukim you should guard. Now it would seem that in each divra masril, in each title, in each heading, Rashi added a an unnecessary word. It would seem that he should have just said es mishpatai, so that we would. So he's going to because he's going to explain here what the word mishpat means. And here in the second piece, he should have just said eschukai sai. Because here he is primarily coming to, to explain to us what is the meaning of the word sai. What does the word chok mean? And yet, Rashi adds the word ta'asu. He adds as mishpatai ta'asu. He puts the word ta'asu into the Dibara And here, the Eschukai Sai, he adds the words, he adds the word. Tishmeru, you shall guard, or you shall keep. Why does he add an extra word into each Dibar HaMashchel? And I think the reason is because Rashi understood that these words, Tasu and Tishmeru, really help us to understand the difference between Mishpat and Chok. A Mishpat, all Hashem had to say was Tasu, do it. You understand why to do it. You, you, you realize this is important. You have, a, you have a, a logical, reasonable mind. I bequeathed that to you. I gave that to you as a human being. You have a mind that works, a mind that can think. Your, your head is not merely a hat rack, as many people tend to think, but it's not. the Baruch who gave you a head, you know, a brain, in order to use it to think with. So all Hashem has to do rega- say regarding the mishpatim is, cha'asu. because that's what mishpatimah says, Rashi. These are things that even if the Torah would not have said them, but it would have been worthwhile to say them anyway. But when it comes to Chukais, the Torah had to say, Tishmeru, guard them, hold on to them, keep them. Meaning, there are those who are going to challenge them. The Yetzal Harai, your own self, is going to challenge them and say that they are illogical and unnecessary. And the Umas HaOlam, the nations of the world, are going to challenge them and say they are illogical and unnecessary and, and a waste of time. Tishmaru, guard them, keep them, protect them. So that helps us understand what the word hukresai means. So that's why I believe that could be why Rashi adds into his Divara Maskil the word Tasu and the word Tishmaru. Now going back to our original Rashi What happens Let's just, We're going to look, look here at the first shot in Rashi. We raised the question, some of the Mifoshim raised the question, that Rashi's explanation uh, helps us to understand why the person who went to the Eremiklat is able to leave when the Kohen Gadol dies. As long as the Kohen Gadol is alive, there's this friction, there's this incompatibility between this Raseach and the Kohen Gadol, and therefore the Raseach has to stay locked up in his Eremiklat. When the gadol dies, okay, so then there's no friction and no incompatibility. The Rosaiah can can leave the Iramikla. But the question is, what about when they appoint a new gadol? So it's not very clear what the answer to this question is. I looked in many of the Mufershi Rashi, many many of the super commentaries on Rashi, and I didn't see a whole lot. What I did see is there is a sefer called Ba'er Sade, which was written in the early 1800s uh, by a, a Sephardic uh, author in Jerusalem, and here he, in his explanation of this Rashi, he uses some Kabbalistic terminology. He says that when the Kohen Godel dies, Mismaskim Hadinim, the Dinim, the the judgments, the punishments become sweet. Umis um, and the mercy awakens. So these are, anybody who's uh, delved even a little bit into some uh, Sifrei chasidos, it will recognize that these words are Kabbalistic phrases, and I make no pretense, I make no claims to understand what what they really mean, beyond the the most uh, superficial translation. But perhaps, what this Sefer by Sadeh is trying to say is that when the Klayan Gadol dies it's not just that then the incompatibility between the Rodseach and the Klayan Gadol disappears because there's no Klayan Gadol but it's more than that when the Klayan Gadol dies that is a Kapora, that's an atonement for this Rodseach. as long as the Klayan Gadol is alive this rodseach has got a problem he, he can't he can't be part of society, that, that are part of the society that has a kohen gadol. When the kohen gadol dies, two things happen. Number one, that incompatibility falls away. But number two, and there is a kapora, the, the death of the kohen gadol, atones for him. As we find in Parshish Chukas, where it says, by Yisrael Kola Midbar The entire congregation of B'n'ai Yisrael arrived to a place called Midbar Sin. This was in the 40th year of their journey through the Midbar, Ba Khida in the first month, by Kadesh, and the people stayed in a place called Kadesh, Shamir and Miriam died there, and she was buried there. Now, this little piece of narrative is written in the Torah Immediately following all the laws of Paradoma. So Rashi there says, Mises Miriam, the Paradoma. Why was the the Parsha of, concerning the death of Miriam juxtaposed to the Parsha of the Paradoma? Says Rashi, Leimardacha, this is to tell you, Ma Korbanis just as Korbanis such as the Paradoma are mechaper, they bring atonement for various sins, even the Parah explained in Parashas Chukas is a Kapara for the Cheta eagle. so af misis sadikim mechaperis. Similarly, misis sadikim, the death of the righteous such as Miriam is mechaper. So perhaps that's what the Ba'er Basada is saying here also, that when the Kalian Godel dies, so mismaskim hadinim, um, there is an awakening of mercy, meaning that the the um, the gains a kapora through the death of the kohen gadol. That would answer that question that is raised by the meforshah. If one looks in the greraye, it sounds maybe a little bit something like this. There also, the the uh, the language that he uses, the terminology that he uses is it's not is not simple. Uh, he's certainly hinting at some deep point and I, and I I, can't claim to understand it, but perhaps it's something in this same direction. As far as the Pesach itself goes, if we will put aside Rashi, it's uh, worthwhile here to mention how the Rambam understood this Pesach in his Sefer Moira Nevuchim. As I've uh, mentioned a time or two, the Moira Nevuchim has a a long section, one whole third of the book roughly, talks about the Tameha HaMitzvahs and the Rambam certainly is of the opinion that the Mitzvahs have reasons and the reasons are 99% of the time at least uh, relatively easy to discern if you're a thinking person and here the Rambam explains the reason for this halacha in a very interesting way. We'll read a a few lines in the traditional Hebrew translation of the Meru Nebuchem. the Rambam wrote in Arabic. Uh, During his times, it was translated. And this was a translation that he, I don't know if he put his stamp on every word, but he, it is an authorized translation. He says, uh, uh, However, or in truth, the reason why the one who murders accidentally has to go into gollus, he has to go into exile and stay in the ir-mikvat This is in order to quiet down the soul of the blood redeemer So that he should not see the one that this calamity happened because of him In other words, in order that the, let's say the brother of the victim should not see and come across the murderer and perhaps murder him So therefore the Torah told the Raseach to go away and stay in the Ir Now, says the Rambam, The Torah made the return of the Raseach to regular society. The Torah made it dependent upon the death of that person who is the most respected amongst people and the most beloved, of all Yisrael, of all the Jewish nation, meaning the Kohen Gadol. Interesting how the Ramam refers to the Kohen Gadol. Kohen Gadol is the person who was most respected and most beloved amongst Kla Yisrael. Because with this, when the Kohen Gadol dies, the mind of the Goyel, the mind of the, the brother of the victim, Tanuach. It will rest. Why? What's that got to do? Why? This person was all hot-blooded because his brother was killed and he is at the point where he's going to run and murder the one who killed his brother. Why is he going to feel any calmer when the Qayyim Gadol happens to die, says the Rambam. This is a natural characteristic of a person, of human beings. Call me Anybody that it happens to him a very distressful, distressful event, When it will come a similar tzorah, a similar distress to someone else or a distress that's even greater The first one who went through this distressful experience will find nechama. He will find some comfort and consolation in the distressing event that's now happening to someone else. When you see someone else suffering the same thing that you suffered, it tends to help you put things in perspective. He says, uh, Amongst all the possible cases of someone dying by us, by the Jews, there is no one, there is no greater death, calamity by us than the death of the Koyengodl. So when the Retzech Bishkoga sees this Rasser Rushkoge is so distressed and so angered because of the death of his brother, let's say, or the death of his uncle, whoever it is. Now, when he sees that even the Kayan Godel could die, he starts to put things a little bit more in perspective. Okay? People die. It's not, it's not pleasant. Not happy about it. That's the way of the world. Even the Kayan Godel, most important and beloved and, and respected person. He also dies. So what the Ramam is saying is that the Ratsayak Vishkaga will sit in the Imiklat for his own protection until the Kayan Gadol dies. Once the Kayan Gadol dies, he doesn't need to stay there anymore. At that point, the Goyal Hadam already has calmed down. And even when they appoint a new Kingadl, it doesn't matter. But the but the, the brother or the uncle of the of the victim has already calmed his liver a little bit, as they say. He has learned to accept his brother's death with a little more perspective and a little more tranquility, and therefore the life of the rothsayach is no longer in danger.